sex is like life force energy, right? It's like healing and magical and fun and connecting and gives you a place to be really vulnerable and really open and connect to yourself, connect to partners, connect to friends. <laughs> We're back. It feels like it's been a really long time yeah, it's since like, we last recorded. It, it, it hasn't been like it it's hasn't just, at all. Just so much has happened. It's like you know when you're on a holiday or like you're traveling, yeah. and you've only been in a place four days, but you've packed about ten days worth of normal like life stuff oh, yeah. into those days. Yeah, that's how it feels. Which is why yeah. I think we've feels like it's been ages since I'm we've even recorded. Feeling that mentally. Yeah. You know. Me too. Listeners, in case you're wondering what we're talking about, like we, you don't know, you don't live our lives, you don't know what's going on. Unless you're on Instagram. Unless you're on Instagram, then maybe <laughs> you'll know a little bit. Uh, I, maybe we should kick off with 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 a bit of a story that isn't really related to non-monogamy, to be honest. No, it's not at all. But uh, it's cute, and it's also you know just um, relatable in a in a in a way. Mm. So obviously. Um, it's by starting with the with with the fun um uh thing we went to pride on uh saturday london pride yeah london pride to be specific uh that was fun we took my son for his first pride he loved it oh, amazing he time, yeah uh maybe we'll talk a little bit more about that uh, later on back to the the main point of the story we came home that evening we were greeted by two guests from underneath our bins. And by our bins, I mean the whole apartment's bins. It was uh, two little kitty cats. They must have been, what do you think? I mean, I think we know now. They're like almost four months old. Yeah, But they looked young. smaller. Yeah. Um, and they and were super like frantic. Yeah, vocalising a lot. Yeah. And just would not... Leave us alone. Yeah, um, really distressed. And we obviously put two and two together, um, and it seems like they were abandoned. Yeah. And our suspicions are more or less confirmed because they're not microchipped and they should be at that age. And uh, yeah, so they have taken over our lives for the last week <laughs> because we just took yeah. them in. We couldn't leave them out, out, you know, on the street. And uh, but we, but we also can't keep them forever no um we live in a one-bedroom flat like it's it's tight as it is like it's like any big city where there's a lot of people living here that you live in sort of small apartments and we also had to move last year because our rent in our old place that had an extra bedroom increased exponentially so yeah, yeah. we're in a smaller flat now which is fine like it's great for the two of us and for your son when we have him but if you're adding two additional extremely hyperactive living beings it, it gets tight doesn't it and they have yeah. like, cats have stuff like yeah like there's lots of stuff that you need to get for cats our hallway is just their room now yeah um, we've turned it into the room slash the sin bin if i'm well, on a work meeting <laughs> 
And honestly, <laughs> like today, I was at Rich was at work. I was working from home, and I'm in a meeting, and the palm tree in our living room goes flying and it's because the two of them have like set up camp in the pot and got a bit too frisky and it's just flopped over and then they're literally like rolling around in the palm leaves just to, for anyone who's uh, a bit concerned it's a parlor palm so don't worry they wouldn't have been crushed by it and it's not poisonous to cats no but it's just like they have taken over our lives and yeah. it's i think the close quarters is part of that because we all have to share the space yeah but on the lighter note they are adorable mm. and every single day is ended snuggling on the yeah. on the sofa and it's just we they're they're going to be taken in by uh, celia hammond who do some amazing work with yeah. cats protect cats protection stuff and uh, yeah, fortunately on Saturday, well, say fortunately, like this is the best case scenario. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're going to be uh, rehomed by them uh, from Saturday. Yeah. So, so by the time this episode comes out, it will have been like yeah. two days ago. Yeah. If you're listening on the Monday when it comes out, but uh, we got a call, I got a call from Celia Hammond today. We'd reached out to so many different mm. charities to, to get these guys like yeah. sort of taken in and they're not as you mentioned not microchipped but they're not have had none of the medical procedures like yeah. none of their vaccines like we took them to a vet and we got the whole checkup and like they're fine they're in excellent health mm-hmm. but they like also don't have any of the things they need at this age and the charities do that before they rehome them so in mm-hmm. t- it's like it is the best case scenario in yeah. that respect yeah. Yeah. um but i think also something that was really eye-opening for me not having had an animal really since I was a child is just the situation that we're finding ourselves in now. We've called a lot of different charities and spoken to the people that work there and the amount of people that have said to us, we can't even put them on a wait list because our wait lists are full uh, or, you know, we aren't taking any new animals at all because we can't handle the demand Mm. and or some of the wait lists like six to eight weeks it's just apparently at the moment, particularly with cats, there's so much happening in terms of abandonment. And some of the people have said to us that it's because of the cost of living crisis. Like people can't actually afford to look after their animals and it's just so tragic. It's literally been one of the most heartbreaking Mm -hmm. things we've had to deal with. And some people might be sat there being like, they're just cats. It's like, you find cats on the side, like in a, abandoned anywhere, and tell and don't act the same way. Like especially when they're as gorgeous as these cats, yeah. they're so. And this is the thing we've discussed a lot. We, we they when we like brought them into our home and like made up a makeshift sort of litter for them, <laughs> they knew how to use it. Yeah. They're very comfortable in a home environment. They're extremely cuddly. They weren't disheveled either when no. we found them. They were just clearly very dehydrated and, and hungry. And hungry yeah. So they must have had a we, we reckon they must have had like a good experience with with humans before and mm. potentially, you know, we don't really know. We're only speculating, but it could just be that someone could not afford them anymore and mm-hmm. had to, and had no other choice and there is so many people that are struggling at the moment yeah. and an animal is an additional cost. That is a part of the reason why we can't keep them because yeah. we mm. have to be financially and, and the way that everybody is at the moment trying to count your extra pennies. Yeah. We have to do that too. 
it's yeah. just really and it's it's frustrating as well because we've both said this we're emotionally prepared to, to have animals but yeah. but we don't have the structural uh capacity mm-hmm. in our lives um no. at the moment and that's that's the saddest thing about it all because yeah. when they go on saturday there will be tears because the impact, like the impression that these cats mm-hmm. have made on us in yeah. a week. Uh, I've, I mean, I've had cats um, uh, all through my life before mm-hmm. I left home. Uh, like my family, all my family pets were, were cats pretty much. And I, I loved them, but these cats have really le- left their something special paw print them. on me. <laughs> and it's quite funny. Actually, we were on the way home from Pride last Saturday and there was a woman on the tube with a dog and you and I were sitting there looking at this dog. It was so gorgeous. Mm. And I turned to you and said, I'm actually really craving having another living thing, like an animal in our home. And I would love to have that kind of relationship with a with an animal mm-hmm. because I do think it is different. I do think you have a different connection it's a different part of you and i was craving that relationship siobhan manifested this <laughs> yeah and then literally not half an hour later we get off the yeah. train and these two little gorgeous things come into our lives yeah. and it's the last week has been so emotional in so many ways and it's really triggered by these little creatures yeah. that have come into our homes and yeah. um yeah i'm really emotional about it so yes yes big up celia hammond Thank you so much. And adopt for the shop. You. And yeah, adopt don't shop. That's our message today. Ten minutes into the podcast, let's get moving on to polyamory related. <laughs> anyway, this is a relationships yes. polyamory podcast. Well, we had a relationship with our, our little friends. I know. So, in a way, it's kind of related. Yeah. But um, we'll move on properly now. Yeah. We went to Pride. That was fun. London Pride, yes. And we went to the family. Day area yes which i've never been to a family area well confession time i'd never been to a pride before (gasps) what i know richard i know i did not know that now you do oh my god (laughs) what do you mean well (sighs) why why what was what was stopping you what sort of well what do you think uh, I think uh, a few different things. Mm. One was uh, probably the first of all, like, like the commercialization of Pride really had really put me off for many years. Um, so you mean when it's like June, every like yeah. business is like selling something with like I a rainbow sticker on it. Yeah, I wasn't really of the mind that it was genuinely cel- like a celebration a celebration of queerness. Okay. Um I ha- I got the impression that it was a chance to exploit queerness mm. for and 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 to a certain extent it is. Mm-hmm. But I, at the end of the day pride was started by queer people for the right reasons mm-hmm. and it's been hijacked. To, to be a commercial event, um, that doesn't mean that you should let it ruin everything, ruin the whole experience for you. So um, I've really just decided to, to kind of scrap that mindset. But also that was not the experience I had at all on Saturday. Mm. Everyone seemed to be the, the, like, yeah, there's the commercialization, but I felt that was very much just an undertone um, rather than a, 
rather than like the reason for it. Mm. I did feel like people were genuinely celebrating queerness and supporting queer people and, and, and all that. And I felt, you know, at ease, which for a place where there's a lot of alcohol and sometimes there's drug use as well, mm-hmm. although you really probably have to go to the, the big parties after dark. Um, I was say, we had a very to, like, sort yeah, of we, kid-friendly We had a kid-friendly experience. pride. Yeah. And, I'm, and I'm sure if in the future I go to the more adult stuff, there will be those drugs present. And of course, anyone who's listened to the podcast knows that I have a bit of a history with a drug and alcohol problem which is you know f- over four years behind me now so mm-hmm. but i think for the last four years at least the the i didn't feel comfortable going to a place that had this uh stigma attached to it as just a piss up for straights who want to pretend to be queer for a day right. like that was the the brutal well, that was your perception perception that i had yeah. it's not that at no, all it's not the, it's it is a case of a very uh a very kind of noisy minority, I think. Absolutely. Mo- most people, I think any straight people that are there don't, I mean, you you wouldn't really, you, you can't tell sometimes, you know. I think... Um, <laughs> you can't always tell if they're straight or not. You I know? think, um, <laughs> I think like, I've got a couple of sort of <clears throat> things to say to that. I think when you're having had a history with like drug and alcohol dependency and then, but when you you know come out of that and you you get sober there is an element at least from what I've heard from you I'm not speaking from my personal experience but just from what I've learned watching you that there is an element of re-exploration with with things that you would have felt comfortable with and that can take years and years where things come up that you haven't experienced since you stopped drinking and you're like oh I've not been to this event before is this safe for me is this not how do I feel it's like trying new things from a different mindset and of course that's really and I still haven't set foot inside a club no I know because I mean, to be honest, I I realised that I didn't really care about the club. I just wanted it was just a place where everyone was drunk, so no one noticed that I was even really drunker. drunk. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, the the idea, like in principle, especially a gay club, mm-hmm. or just you know, like queer friendly events mm-hmm. like that, like that, the idea really appeals to me because it it feels like it's a place that I can go and socialise with people, and I don't, and honestly, like I don't have a lot of queer friends. Yeah. You know, I mean, non. I mean, by that I mean, I don't have a lot that are um, certainly like like it's they're not openly as yeah. such queer. I mean, outside of you, obviously. But um, <laughs> um and I will also just say yeah. on your point about the commercial <clears throat> commercialization, I do think it's a fine line, and I've heard on some other queer podcasts like gayish for example they discuss this a lot over the course of pride and they do yeah. a, they're a weekly podcast so they have like four episodes where they can talk about this yeah, yeah, yeah. and they do say that they are get a bit concerned about the commercialization of pride and whether it's a safe event with sometimes protests that are counter mm. queer yeah, yeah. Um, which obviously i don't have their place it doesn't need to be said but better say it anyway and uh that they've had some people say to them that actually in smaller communities, having, you know, a, a gay flag in the local Target or a pride flag in your Starbucks actually really helps them and makes them feel seen. So oh, yeah, I that think aspect I, I think it's a fine yeah. line, you know, and yeah. um, I think that ultimately it's when you feel a bit lost, I'm not saying you do, but I just say in general, when there's so much discussion about 
queer communities at the moment and and trans communities particularly, which we're going to talk to about in just a minute, Mm it is really important just to assess where you feel safe and to take what works for you and to remember the principles of where this comes from. And ultimately, as you said, it was started as a protest and it's morphed into a celebration. Mm -hmm. And as long as you're celebrating your own queer identity, or if you're an ally and you're actively celebrating a friend, family member Mm -hmm. as queer identity, then, then that's, that's fine. And that's the place for it. Anything else that, you know, doesn't speak to that might not have its place at pride just uh, about what you were saying with how just having a flag outside of starbucks or whatever Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. is really can feel really i mean you're absolutely right because these last few days i've been walking around with my nails painted and i felt so empowered to do that Mm. at a i mean i i kind of would do that any time of the year but i feel particularly like i feel less self-conscious about doing it at this time of year because i can say to anyone that wants to say something like mate we had a fucking party yeah for people like me yeah and to celebrate people like me and you're saying that like Mm. look at where you are look at the time you're in yeah like they're never they're always going to be the the bad i mean they will always be the bad person anyway like in any scenario like that but i mean particularly that time of year i just feel like you can say whatever the fuck you like to me. Like they just had a party for people like me. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and not just in this city, but London in particular is obviously extremely. But around the world, right? Yeah. Is extremely, uh, pro- you know, just just progressive and and kind of uh, forward thinking and and embraces everyone. And and I think for all his problems, um, Sadiq Khan said some really great things on the day he's the mm-hmm. mayor of london for anyone who doesn't know mm-hmm. uh he he has his problems but he he also said it really well and that's like in london y- you're free to be who you are yeah no absolutely. matter as long as you're not hurting anybody uh-huh. you're free to be whoever you are and if anyone says otherwise then they're not that they shouldn't be here. i mean mm-hmm. i'm sort of paraphrasing yeah <laughs> the city Khan didn't actually say get the fuck out of london if you're a homophobe or a transphobe but i'm saying it um, um no but i've noticed that you yeah like in the past you may have had your nails painted for like an occasion and then yeah. been really quick to remove the nail polish and i have noticed actually mm. that you've kept it on the whole week and well i'm keeping it on to touch it up for saturday no well i i, I figured that was part of it but i i also just like i think that's a really that's really cool and i said to you when we were at like we got on the tube to go into the city and i mean not a hot take i'm obsessed with glitter anyway like so I'm like always excited to like go wild and then convince anyone within like a five kilometer radius to do the same. <laughs> and, and I'm just so anti-glitter because like, it gets no everywhere. And, and I'm like, like, I can't be bothered oh, to deal and with then, it. Honestly, but how many people that were, we ran into a few friends on the way in out there. And I was like, the first thing I said was I tried to convince Richard to wear glitter. <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah. You really wanted like, to mention not okay. that. <laughs> um, but I said to you when we got on the train, everyone's like, all the people that were going to Pride, you could really tell. And I said, it's just so nice to be able to dress up with that part of you yeah. as the front facing part. Where, and, and obviously, some people, it, like that part of them and their expression might indicate that they're queer, but really that's just who they are and that's just a label we've attached, right? Mm-hmm. But it's just like so nice that it's like a day where. A lot. Anyone who's going to Pride, 
and is queer can dress up and send out this signal that like, this is part of who I am. And I don't normally get to show this off or it might not be relevant in some cases, but there's often a part where you've got to keep that to yourself and just sort of like go with it. And it's just so, I really enjoyed that being able to just dress up and be like, this is part of me. And this is like the one, there's two or three days in the year where I can be really over the top with this part of me. And that feels really, really like cathartic. So yeah, I really enjoyed that. But it's not even it. it's not even that it's over the top. I I think it's just it's like for lack of a better term, right? Like it's more just like to be the most extra me that I can be. Like it's still it's just me to the max. You know what I mean? Well, yeah, yeah, absolutely. And that's just yeah, like you say, it's just it awesome. feels cool. Yeah, yeah, it feels good. And also, um, you know, yes, so as exactly. I said just before, before we went off on that little tangent, Sorry. you're welcome, guys. Yeah. <laughs> um, but it's our podcast. We can. Uh, <laughs> we can do what the fuck we want. You can know what you can do. What my mother does, which listens, she listens to my voice notes on one point five or double speed to get through them quicker. Yeah, no, but no so skipping. No, no skipping. No, no, she listens to all my words, but I'm saying no. I'm telling the audience no skipping. They're going to skip over me saying no skipping. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to skip over me saying no skipping and talk about Transcribe, which is on Saturday. Which is on going. Saturday, it's but as I said, by the time we um, uh, this comes out, it will be have been last yeah. Saturday, same yeah. day we're giving up the cat. So it's a real emotional day for us guys. Oh um, but we die. are going to Transcribe, which is a little bit more of a traditional protest as opposed to yeah. this big party that you know, yeah. everyone pride is essentially. Yeah. And it's, you know, I, I don't know when it started in London, um, but I had a few queer friends of mine mention it to me and say, this was a really amazing event and I recommend you come. And so we have like absolutely want to, want to go to it this year. We will, and we will do. Um, but of course I think, I mean, I just want to say like, we've got a very small platform, but a platform nonetheless. And I just, it's really important for us. I think just to say that, Gender nonconformity in general is having its moment in terms of like public hate, the way that people speak about trans people, the way that people um, think it is okay to quote unquote express an opinion about trans people and their identities is frankly vile. Mm -hmm. And I'm confident that we will look back on this when Rich and I are old people and not be able to believe some of the things that have just been said in public. Uh, even now, sometimes I can't believe it. And we want part, we want to go because we want to also go to another queer event because we, we feel so at home and so safe in that community. But it's also really important to, I feel, show up and um, protest because, I mean, it's not a hot take, but I'm, I'll say it. I've said it once and I'll say it again. People don't – there is no such thing as an opinion on someone else's identity. Mm-hmm. We're not, we should not be fighting people on how they identify. And if someone says that this is how, who they are or how they feel or their experience, we are not – who are we to question that? And I think there's so many parts of the trans debate – debate. there's so many – I should say debate. That's like also indicates there's two sides. There's so many parts of the trans experience that are complicated and complex because humans are complicated and complex. Mm-hmm. And ultimately, like, I think we're stronger together – well, and that, yeah, and that, but we that, should support our trans absolutely cousins, basically. But, but what um, what is well, I think the reason why it's been made complex is because we've oversimplified the human experience with binary thinking. Mm-hmm. That that's basically it. Like the reason why so mm-hmm. many people find it so hard to comprehend is because this really complex part of 
who we are as human beings has been reduced to this or that. And that's just the fucking stupidest thing. One of the stupidest things that we did in terms of putting uh, brackets on ourselves, you know, or putting, putting, putting people in boxes and is incredibly damaging. It's, it's why it's one of the reasons why uh, so many people, trans people, NB people commit suicide, you know? Um, And that's the thing. And and, and we are living in a country, uh, the United Kingdom for anyone that's listening outside of the United Kingdom, but our own fucking prime minister, Rishi Sunak said in, at at an event recently well, I'm not going to say what he said, but he mocked trans women. And people were laughing in that room. And I'm not going to get overly political, but I guess the sentiment of what I would say is, fuck you, Rishi Sunak. <laughs> well, I mean, frankly, neither side the, of the major parties in uh, British politics have got a particularly good track record on this. Yeah, fuck you, Keir Starmer as well. Because Labor, Labor's got, I mean, I don't want to get too political here, but like <laughs> Labor has an issue with saying that trans women are women essentially. Like, yeah. And it's it's just really, it's challenging um, for people who are trans or non-binary or somewhere, both of those in between or beyond that mm-hmm. to feel safe in their own countries. And that is why these events are so important. So... You know, we're going to – I'm pumped because I get to wear heaps more glitter again yes. and uh, lots of coloured eyeshadow and uh, we're just going to go and support support and um, yeah. show our support for it. So, yeah. And on that note, um, I mean, I think there's the statistics that, sh- that say that you're much more likely – I don't want to quote – I don't know the exact statistic, but it's like extremely more likely to support trans rights – if you know a trans person, obviously, yeah. you know someone, you realize that it's a normal human being and then they're not some crazy other. And mm-hmm. of course, you're going to support them. And there's brilliant books that you can read out there. And uh, one that I have just recently finished is Elliot Page's book called Page Boy, which is a cracker of a name uh, in the first instance. Yeah. It worked out nicely, didn't it? <laughs> it's, it's, it's fantastic. And his book is absolutely like i read the blurb of it i remember i texted rich and i was like i read the blurb of it and i said i was like in tears in one of our bookshops like so emotional just from the blurb and i was like (laughs) i have to read this Mm -hmm. and he starts off his book just saying like i'm not you know a voice for all trans people this is just one story and this is what i just want to share it and add to the conversation around this Mm -hmm. and that book i mean even if you know trans people or i just think it's a required reading for anyone who wants to understand the trans experience it is so powerful it is so eloquently written but it's also really easy to read it's just a absolute work of art and i can't recommend it enough and i think just having you know talking about this sort of trans pride talking about going to pride and i've read this book at the same time and mm. i just think it's a it's like it's just it's breathtaking and yeah. um yeah, I just can't recommend it and, enough. And there you go. That is the you, you watch sales just jump of Elliot's Oh, after book my now. recommendation. Yeah, yeah. It's gonna, oh, absolutely. It's going to be the best thing that ever happened. Like people, people want to know what's book. going on. Like with me, <laughs> not specifically me. Like yeah, they're all yeah. really interested in my hot yeah. takes about like the Ashes <laughs> and um, you know yeah. Australian football. 
before we before we've got a really great guest today oh gosh. but before we do the last thing i'm going to say about about this yes. is um that this is the the the, the big the number one uh thing that really fucking gets to me oh, and makes me hot when in, in a bad way oh okay uh, it gets me hot like <laughs> hot like fires a- angry you up a bit. yeah yeah um <laughs> just use the word angry um yeah it when when talking about the uh, the trans quote unquote debate. quote unquote yeah right yeah i.e. the other people coming at you with arguments against whatever before you can have an argument with me or a debate with me which there isn't one anyway but fine let's just humor you for a second before you can do that please learn the difference between sex <laughs> biology right and gender oh my god Yes. Please, please separate. I'm talking to you. In fact, I'm not even going to name them. Chad. Well, actually, I was going to say Ricky <clears throat> and uh, is it J- JK, whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Fucking learn the difference because your entire argument is based on a, a complete. Like a fundamental misunderstanding. Misunderstanding of, of what gender actually is. It's got nothing to do with your anatomy. Okay. Go and learn that first and then we'll talk. And then come back to me. (laughs) But you don't seem to be able to fucking grasp that. You fucking idiots. Anyway, that's enough. Um, Today we're talking to Alicia Payne. Oh, honestly. Who is a treasure. Our guest today. I I mean, when we speak to her, I just feel like there's so much energy. She's... You're the only person in the world when you're talking to Alicia Payne. She's just wonderful. Well, we were the only people in the world, rather. Yes. Yeah. And she has just got such fantastic advice and also I think just in general a brilliant outlook on how to approach polyamory and how to sort of get involved like explore sex we talk about so many brilliant things with her obviously we've already spoken to her and we're so excited to bring you this conversation today I think you'll really enjoy it she's wonderful and and maybe we should just take our little break right away and get and dive straight in maybe maybe we should just get on with it yeah because the thing's gonna speak better we've just you know yeah this is the longest intro ever we know that but so much has been going on and so much of it is really important so yes enjoy extra Um, bonus activity right well yeah for the (laughs) second last evening i'm going to go and give our little kitty cats a dinner and then we can um and give them cuddles and then and then put them to bed yes if we don't have an episode next time guys it's because we've perished with sadness yeah We've just um, vanished to dust like Spider-Man. Yeah. Triggered. Yeah. <laughs> All right, let's okay. go take our break. Let's take a break. And feed the cats. And we'll be back with Alicia. All right. Love. Lo- <laughs> <laughs> love, 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 love. <laughs> Okay, everyone, we are thrilled to welcome today's guest to the Polly Podcast. She's a sex, love and relationship coach whose mission it is to change social the social narrative on what relationships are supposed to be. And she's the creator and host of the podcast, Nope, We're Not Monogamous. A very big welcome to Alicia Payne. Yay! Woo! Uh, I love that you said, nope, we're not monogamous. That made me so happy. Well, it's just, I just love that because, I mean, it's just, there's an assumption that everyone's monogamous. So just being like, nope, 
Like I just love yeah. every time I read the title of your podcast or I see it come up on my phone, that's the voice in my head where it's like, nope, don't assume, you like, know. I feel like that's the way it's the, – the, even even though – even though you can't necessarily write it in a certain way, that nope is so like it's a heavy nope. You know? <laughs> <laughs> it is. <laughs> uh, anyway, welcome. Um, so you're a sex, love, and relationships coach. Um, let's just start things nice and simple. How did you come to work in that space? Oh yeah, easy question, huh? <laughs> <laughs> Easing you uh, into it. Yeah, that's fun. I was previously married for 13 years monogamously and um, everything was as good as I thought it could be sexually. Right. Uh, For myself. And when I got divorced, I was like, I never want to be monogamous again. This is dumb. I don't want to do that. Uh, It's great for some people. Not for me. I already did all my monogamy. I got it out of my system. I don't want it anymore. (laughs) I was like, and then, (laughs) yeah. And then I was like, and also I want to have the best sex possible. And so I started like following sexuality teachers um, and I like wanted to give the best blowjobs I could give and like, like all the things. And so I was following Layla Martin, took a few of her classes. And then when she um, like announced that she was going to have a coaching certification program, I was like, I want to do that. That sounds great. Um, So I did. And I thought that I was going to be a women's sexual empowerment coach. That was my, like my goal while I was in school. Like I'm, I'm going to empower women to have more orgasms, better orgasms, live their fullest sexual lives. Um, while I was also navigating polyamory and jealousy and all of the non-monogamy things. And it quickly became apparent that, like, I really am a big relationship nerd. And that was what I talked about all the freaking time. And I was like, okay, well, I guess I guess that's what I'm going to do. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Nice. Yeah, it's, mm-hmm. it's, um, it's just, you know, it's, it's so interesting as well that you had, like, a monogamous marriage for such a long time. And I think I can certainly relate to, to what you just said, but I think a lot of people can too, about you think mm-hmm. – that you've kind of got to the top of like the relationship escalator and like everything is as good as it's ever going to be. And you've like completed it and you're like, woo, I've like done this thing. And then when you have experiences that open your mind to something that is not those like traditional things, um, uh-huh. it can be really sort of empowering, but also kind of scary at the same time. Right. Uh-huh. Yeah. 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 Like, Oh, there's more here. Literally. <laughs> I don't have to settle with this. <laughs> <laughs> and you mentioned as well just earlier about dealing with jealousy and sort of doing all of your like professional certifications at the same time as like exploring polyamory. So could you mm-hmm. explain that a little bit more? Like how was that for you? Did you sort of decide I'm going to be polyamorous or did you meet someone and then uh, uh, like come about doing it that way? Like how did you start this journey when you kind of were divorced and you were re-navigating everything you kind of ever knew about relationships? Yeah. Yeah. Great question. Um, I didn't know anyone who was polyamorous. I'd never heard the word. As a matter of fact, I was on OkCupid. Um, and one of the questions, so on OkCupid, like you answer a whole bunch of questions so you can match up with other people. Right. And one of the questions was polyamory question mark. And then it, and then it had like a, a multiple choice. Right. And the one I picked was like, not for me, no way. Like, like, uh, uh-uh. uh, 
Not a thing. I am not that girl. Um, uh, I'm looking at Siobhan. At, the, at <laughs> the same time, because I was picturing like polygamy. Yeah. 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 Right. Like I didn't know. I had never heard of polyamory, and I just thought, oh, that's just um, dudes who have multiple women. Like that yeah. was what I thought, and I was like, no, I want it the other way around. Whatever that is. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> we still get um, that yeah. we still we still get that sometimes like people will yeah. will interchange polyamory or non-monogamy with polygamy and we're just like no no that's no diff different thing or people will think that rich is like forced me into it and he's got multiple oh, yeah. partners and like i'm not allowed to date and it's just so funny because you're like out here wanting to be like a female, a women's empowerment coach originally. Mm. And then you're like, no, I don't want to do anything where men have more power than me. Uh -huh. um, <laughs> but then so at what point did you realize that actually you could have it where women have that too? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so I, when I got divorced, like immediately I was like, I'm not going to be monogamous again. Um, and I started dating and I was like, I'm just going to be a big slut and be honest about it. Cause that seems like the right thing to do. Um, and like three months later, I met my second husband um, <laughs> and Whoops. we went on our first date and um, at, which was great. And then after our first date, he texted me and he's like, oh, my God, you're everything I've been looking for. And I was like, no, I am not. No interest in being everything to anyone. Yeah. Um, and he was like, no, no, you misunderstand me. Like, keep doing what you're doing. Enjoy yourself. All the things he was like, I'm dating a couple my uh for my first love it lives long distance like i'm polyamorous and i was like i don't know what that is that sounds crazy um <laughs> but like cool you're hot and we can do that <laughs> we can keep dating that's fine anything's uh, possible you know, if they're hot enough <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah so um oh, dear. so i just at that point was like i should probably learn something about this right because i didn't i didn't know anything like Very cool at all so i read the ethical slut mm -hmm. as you do yeah uh-huh right and then i was like oh my god other people do that this thing that i thought was my original idea people do that <laughs> that moment you realize <laughs> oh my god i was gonna get this patented and trademarked and no it's, right? it's taken damn it people have done this uh, oh yeah and then i think like probably six months into dating rob i i a little more no yeah it was about six months because it was for his birthday i was like let's go to a swingers club for your birthday mm. and we were both like oh my god we had been having group sex like regularly mm. and here we were like oh my god what a scandalous thing to do going to a swingers <laughs> club oh happy fucking birthday right? <laughs> <laughs> that's so funny um what would you think it was about a swingers club that was so like that felt scandalous compared to having group sex well, I'm just curious, you know, what was it like yeah. for you? I think there's this, I mean, there's definitely this idea that like swinging is like this, like 60s house party, yeah. everyone yeah. put their keys in the fishbowl uh, kind of thing. Right. Mm -hmm. And then, yeah. and then, and then a big part of it was just like not knowing what to expect. What oh, are we yeah. going to walk into? Yeah. What are the people like? What's the environment going to be like? you know, what is this going to be? And then we got there and we were like, oh my God, this feels like, um, 
a community dance, like a community dance hall with like snacks in the corner and people just hanging out and talking with like a bunch of sex rooms in the back. Oh my God, I love <laughs> that. Yeah, it's, it's only one step further than salsa dancing really, isn't it? When you think about it. Basically, basically, yeah. It's, I mean, it was still had the 1960s vibe. It was just different to what you'd expected. It's like the 1960s dance hall rather yeah. than the yeah. swingers ball, fish bowl situation. Yeah. Oh, how funny. Oh, that's, I love that. That's such a, mm-hmm. that's so, it's so fun. Like, yeah, totally. Um, a bit, so fun. But uh, um, to kind of, let's, we'll stick with the sex topic because, because why on earth not? Um, a concept that like we that we really love that you've introduced to us, uh, or, or certainly the wording of it you've introduced to us that it's made it a thing, you know, r- rather than just this abstract thing that rattles around in your brain, is this idea that uh, like sex is good for the soul. Um, could you maybe just unpack that a little bit more? What does that what do you, what does that mean for well for us and our listeners because. Yeah. yeah, and and for you as well, and if you've yeah. got a personal meaning oh. as well, yeah, we'd love yeah. to just learn more about that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't know. Sex is like, uh, well, first of all, it's very human, right? <laughs> it's <laughs> it's something everybody has a connection to. Um, it's like sex is like life force energy, right? It's like healing and magical and fun and connecting and gives you a place to be really vulnerable and really open and connect to yourself, connect to partners, connect to friends. Yeah. <laughs> Depending on what you want, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> connect to your souls. Yeah. I mean, and I was I've recently, re- I'm reading a book at the moment by Meg John Barker called Life Isn't Binary. And in their book, they talk mm. about how sex you know, yes, when, when you look at like the DSM-5 and other sort of medical things, everyone's always talking about like penis and vagina sex and it's like having an, uh-huh. a quote-unquote tradition, an erotic experience, but they sort of go further and say that eroticism can be, you know, anything and you can derive sort of sensual or erotic experiences from the everyday. Like some people find doing yoga really sensual or like, you know, cuddling up with a partner or going for a swim or going for a swim with a partner. And there's so many ways that you can nourish that sort of erotic experience. Um, mm-hmm. Is that part of it? Do you think? Yeah, totally. Totally. I mean, I- <laughs> okay. I love that, that you mentioned the like sex is like, when we're usually talking about sex, we do, we mean penis and vagina, we mean intercourse, right? And then everything else. <laughs> so I was I was on a retreat and um, had seduced this woman and had yes. a really lovely time. And I got home and my girlfriend says, so did you have sex? And I was like, no, we just made out. And she's like, okay, made out, tell me more. She goes, she was like, were there genitals involved? <laughs> And I was like, I mean, well, yeah, she went down on me. And she was like, so you had sex? I was yeah. like, no. <laughs> That's what I was thinking. And she was like, Alicia, oral sex. <laughs> oh, yeah. you're right. Like, yeah. here I, yeah. I am a queer woman, and I thought we didn't have sex because no penis was in me. Right. Yeah. I'm a sex educator, and I thought we didn't have sex because yeah. there was no penis in me. What the hell? How deep does that conditioning go? Mm-hmm. <laughs> pun, in, pun intended, maybe. Um <laughs> it's it's so true well that's the heteronormative as well isn't it that's the heteronormative view of sex and and that's something that i've uh, like you know when you're younger and you you kind of have 
you you have the that rather anti well rather silly um concept of like uh your your uh your body count or whatever and you're kind mm-hmm. of and then like uh, you get to a certain age and you're just like well this is this fucking stupid i'm gonna why 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 do i care um or you just lose count um and- i was 35 when i when i came to that age oh really oh really yeah <laughs> <laughs> nice um i stopped counting at siobhan um <laughs> no um but uh but it make it like when when I came to the realization of uh you know I've, 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 when I was doing that I was only counting penetrative sex partners. Mm. Um, uh-huh. I was like, hang on a minute. So that number is irrelevant because I've done I've had sex with so many more people when you look at it that way. Uh huh. You know, and uh, yeah, I mean, there's not really any point to to what I'm saying. It's just it's just interesting that like society is so obsessed with the idea that sex equals penis and vagina literally and it's like that that, just discounts so many other experiences like whether they're queer relationships for it just as a starting point but then also you know what about other experiences that you might have with people that you know maybe they're not romantic partners or they're not sex sorry they're not sexual partners but they might be you might experience some element of romance with them as well and at what point Mm -hmm. do we count that as or not like why should we why should that be something that isn't as valued or as important as penis and vagina sex which yeah. is really only one form of this whole realm of yeah. sexual experiences and what about right? just sex on a psychological level so i mean in the technological age we live in uh you know having sex with uh what, what do we call it um sexting how am I feeling? Yeah, that's sexting. what I was just thinking. Is that, sexting, is that so- does that count as sex? Like, if you're having, you know, if you're having that sort of feeling and and whatever while you're doing it, why not? You know, yeah, why not? Yeah. Do you do Holy you find cow. that people kind of come to you with these sorts of questions in your practice, or do people try to explore this kind of thing? Like, what's your experience with that? <laughs> I. I don't think they realize that that's what we'll get into, right? Mm. Like, (laughs) because because we have all these ideas (laughs) around like what sex means, what love means. And when you're dealing with like jealousy or um, feeling insecure in relationships, like like trying to navigate all of all of the things. Mm -hmm. And and you're like, well, (laughs) I talked to someone this morning and he was like, well, uh, you know, my wife's partner just dropped the L word. Oh, I'm like, oh, well, what does that mean? And he's like, well, I was like, what does it mean if he says he loves her? What does that mean for you? And he was like, well, now I have to compete harder. Like he wants my woman. Is like it- he he wants to take her. And I was like, does he just because he feels love? Yeah. Like, what does love mean? Um, does it mean that now she has to make a choice? Like, come on, we can solve every every romantic movie out there with polyamory. Uh, 100%. <laughs> oh, yeah. That's something we're attempting to do. S- side note, when you said the L word, I, I don't know why. I just instantly thought lesbians. <laughs> it was just like, right? <laughs> it was just also like, wait, L-word. he said lesbians? <laughs> so what? What's, it, what's that got to do with anything? <laughs> And I was thinking of the show. Yeah, the show, right? Oh, yeah, of course, yeah. yeah. But it's so... (laughs) Such a dumb... It's it's such a valuable point because... And that's something I had to learn more recently than I'm willing to admit that just because you have feelings for someone doesn't mean that you have to, like, marry them, have kids, buy a house, 
that like you can just have feelings and they can be what they are and it doesn't have to be anything else. And I think for some people when they open their relationships or they're navigating polyamory, they're thinking, okay, well, I'm really worried about my other, my partner falling in love, so I don't want them, or some, so I don't want them to do that. Or some people are really worried about particular sex acts and having all these sorts of rules around that. Um, when really, it's like, well, what does that actually mean? And you really have to dig deep to to get to that to answer that question. Mm. You know, totally. you really do because we think it's like we think that it's common sense or common knowledge. Like everyone has the same idea and we really don't, mm. um, you know, cause especially when you think like, uh, I'll, you know, if something happens, say you have, I don't know, a flat tire on the side of the road and you call up a lover, someone that loves you. And they're like, Oh, call a tow truck because like, I, I can't come, but I thought you loved me. Right. right. Like anytime you're going, but I thought you loved me. You said you loved me. Like, what is the expectation that you had just mm. that someone would do or be just because they love you? Yeah. Like when you flip it that way, it starts to become a lot easier to go. Oh, that's where all my assumptions are. That's so interesting. Yeah. I like that analogy. Me too. Yeah. Um, just so, to, so, so thought provoking, <laughs> isn't it? Just to, just to steer towards back towards your work a little bit. There's, um, you you, are, you sort of talk about uh, tantric and Taoist. I believe I'm pronouncing that correctly. Um, mm -hmm. And uh, more importantly, group sex, sex ugh, group sex choreography. <laughs> what? what is it? Straight away, she starts giggling. I love that. Um, how? What? What does that entail? We just because are so fascinated by the concept. It, it sounds like a lot of fun. It sounds interesting and. I've never thought of uh, never any of sex that that um, you know requires choreography as such. But I guess um, for some people, they might need a little bit of s sort of a helping hand, I guess, to get things going and kind of getting <laughs> ideas. And so, yeah, like I guess it's like a tell us everything. Tell, yeah, just you tell can us everything about this. Yeah. Go into as Happily. every little bit of detail. You can. <laughs> every single this detail. is an explicit podcast so you can say whatever, <laughs> whatever you like so we buy our lube at costco no <laughs> <laughs> industrial industrial quantities yeah. of lube so group sex choreography that's fun so first i i mean okay so like dyad sex two people having sex like it's pretty easy to figure out who focuses on who? What goes where? Like you, you can figure out the basics pretty easy, right? No, no, please tell um, us. We don't. <laughs> we don't know. No, <laughs> <laughs> what is group sex? I think it's probably more than just yourself. Yeah. Okay. Never thought of it that way. Because there's <laughs> sorry, this is, part of the listeners like, can't see, but me and Shimon just sort of looked at each other like. <laughs> because it's so true because you'll never really, well, you know, it's less likely that you're going to discuss the sexual relationship you have with yourself, right? Yeah. So yeah. group sex <laughs> is more than you. Because two people's a group, isn't it? I think so. OMG. I've learned so much. Yes, group sex choreography. Yes, uh, so what I found for myself is that unless somebody was kind of directing me and guiding me and kind of telling me what to do, I 
would just kind of freeze and be like, well, what should I do? Especially if I would see my partner and someone else, like they're looking at each other, they're engaged with each other. And then I'd get all these feelings of like, oh, oh my God, they don't even want me here. Why am I even here? They just want to be with each other. It was just an excuse. I mean, this is all in my head, right? Like it was just an excuse so they could sleep together. And I'm just laying here being useless and all in my head. And so I started putting together like, well, how, first of all, how do I get over that? How do I, how do I get over that like freeze that happens when I'm not sure what to do or if I'm feeling insecure or feeling like maybe I'm not wanted there or maybe I'm not a part of the group, right? Because I'm not the center of attention and I'm not the focus and, and the receiver of all the things. Um, and so I would, I, <laughs> I was looking up, you know, different positions for like three or four people. Like what are different things that we could do? And I would pick two or three that I would have like in my back pocket, if I didn't know what to do, here's what I'm going to do. So I could go into a scenario that I very much wanted to be in and have a plan. So I wouldn't freeze when I was all up in my sex head. Right. And so, um, so I started there and then I was like, other people need this. Yes. So the course, it's an online course where we go into much more than just the choreography. That's just like one module of it. The rest is like, why are you even doing it? Right? Like, why do you want to have, have group sex? Why do you want to have sex with more than one person? That's a lot of work. <laughs> it's yeah. a lot of fun, but it's a lot of work, right? <laughs> um, so why are you there? That also helps with, you know, insecure feelings, right? Mm. If you know why you're doing it, it's a lot easier to be into what you're doing. Um, and then how to have all the conversations. Yeah. How do you talk to your partners about it? How do you talk to prospective partners about it? How do you have the sexual safety conversations? What should your sexual safety even look like? Right? Like, uh, nobody, <laughs> well, our sex head isn't great, but they definitely don't teach you that you should, penis havers should change condoms between vaginas, right? Like, right. if we're all here having sex together, people wearing a condom just think, well, I'm wearing a condom, we're safe. Or that they should maybe wash their hands between touching genitals or wash their faces between licking genitals. <laughs> that is so true. Yeah. Uh-huh. I've always wondered about the logistics yes there are logistics yes yeah. Yeah. and i mean like we we've talked about having sex with like a group group sex in some capacity at some point we've not done that yet since we've opened our relationship we've like played separately but i mean it's i really relate to when you're saying about you know just not really knowing it's like your first experience you want to be there you want to enjoy it like it's an exciting thing yeah. to be doing but I, my main concern is that my insecurities or my like sort of self-talk mm -hmm. would get in the way and I'd be a bit like, uh, and then like if I'm anxious or worried or jealous, like I'm not going to be feeling particularly sexy at the same time. Um, yeah. When I know like logically I, w I do want to feel sexy, but it's just that taking that first step and also the logistics, like when you're saying those things that is so obvious, but I think, and I can only speak for myself, but being so caught up in like, am I going to be jealous? What's going to happen? Where do I go? What do I do? I might not have thought about washing my hands or washing my face or making sure condoms are being switched around. Like, yeah, because there's other strong emotional things that are probably going to take over that sort of um, capacity that you have in your yeah. mind. Yeah. And like, 
who's going to make the labels for the bottles, for the, you know, the hand sanitizer and the lube? Like, who's going to do that? What? And are they color coordinated? <laughs> are they color coordinated? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, then you know who's using what. Like, yeah, <laughs> green basket of supplies. You get see, the blue basket of supplies. <laughs> see, this is it, right? Siobhan, Siobhan brings the real talk the to the conversation. <laughs> <laughs> the yeah. There's a buffet normally, I believe. Um, Is there a bottle of water close by? Chicken wings, Uh you know, Uh samosas. I have a list of all those things because they are essential. When you need a break, go get everyone water. (laughs) Kit Kat. Have a break, have a Kit Kat. Oh, my God. (laughs) That's so interesting. So, like, it's it's just it's not something that you ever really talk, talk about. It's always, in my experience, but I think, like, maybe this is changing, but it's always just something you have to kind of work out how to do by yourself. Yeah. And something that's supposed to just happen, right? Entirely too many people, especially couples like hetero couples are like, well, your friend's hot. Let's just get them drunk and see what happens. Right. (laughs) Right. Like, like I feel like that's how (laughs) most people have their first threesome is like, we just like, we just felt, felt it out and we were like, well, let's just see. We'll flirt a little and see if any, it goes anywhere. Right. Um, mm. Which can lead to a lot of bad things, including like breakups and friend breakups and drama and mm. STIs. Mm. And, you know, like <laughs> there could be a lot of things that come from that that you don't want. 100%. <laughs> and I think as well, like to that point, being in an open relationship, I think just in general relationships, so much of the discourse is it's supposed to be easy. It's supposed to just happen. It'll be right. And I can, to a degree, there is that. Like, there is that to a degree. But particularly in non-monogamy, you have to schedule in time for dates or, like, because, you know, time management is a thing in non-monogamy anyway. But there is so much about conversations. And so it makes sense to then also have this logistical conversation when there's, like, multiple people involved. Um, People are complex. So, yeah. Yeah. It makes so much sense, really, doesn't it? Yeah. I mean, just organising the calendar is difficult enough when you're meeting up with <laughs> one person i sent you know? i sent a screenshot of my calendar to my coach today and she was like that's not real is it those aren't all taken up time slots that you're like involved in is it I'm like yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's so true you're, you're actually on on a call with like two other people and it just so happens that your answers match up with uh <laughs> with each right. all at the same time <laughs> you've got it you've got it really finely tuned yeah, all the yeah. <laughs> this is actually not even alicia this is um like a it's AI, AI version of you. Yeah. <laughs> first, AI, first AI uh, polyamory interview yeah ever. with pioneers with pioneers um but i mean these you say that you want to like help people set themselves free from social conditioning mm. So mm-hmm. how does it, I mean, that's just one example of the stuff that you do, but yeah. um, to what degree does sort of shame about people being their true sexual selves, like how does that come mm. into um, your, your work as well? Do you mm. find that comes up a bit, especially with this sort of <laughs> sex alternative, you know, like different yeah. way of doing sex with more than, more than two people? Yeah. Yeah. I think shame is probably one of the biggest pieces, right? Like, and it's one of those things that you don't even know you're experiencing. That's right. So true. And people yeah. get so uh, uncomfortable as well when you bring it up. It's like shame, shame. Yeah. Right. <laughs> right. I just picture Game of Thrones. It's a shame. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's true. Down the, down the, down the road. Yeah. <laughs> yeah uh, I think, yeah, people feel ashamed of feeling shame. 
Like, yeah, <laughs> true, so true. Same shameception. Yeah. <laughs> yes. It just oh builds God, yes. and builds and builds on top of each other. Yeah. It's so true. Yeah. yeah. New concept. So I think I think what I run into there's a couple, right? So some people it's sexual shame, right? Like sexual conditioning, like my desires aren't worthy my desires are weird or bad or wrong mm -hmm. um and so i'm i'm real quick to tell people like look guys i have a tentacle kink i'm not gonna fuck an octopus but like i promise you can bring anything here like oh <laughs> 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 um, and then the other big one is social shame like what will my family think what will my kids think what will our neighbors think mm -hmm. what will all these people think well, they're probably going to think, oh, my God, I can't believe you're able to do that. I wish I could, but I could never. Because what would everyone think? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That is true, though. Like, so it's, true. It's, so, it's always so surprising just how, I mean, you do obviously get so, some negative talk back from people. But the vast majority of it is is coming from a, a place of um, curiosity and, and in, in, a, in a way, I feel like there's a small part of, of, of most people that kind of like you say wishes that they could do it and of course they can mm -hmm. do it they just don't realize right. it yet but um <laughs> and also i think there's a small element sometimes where like people some people are genuinely curious and go wow i'd love to try that and say as such mm -hmm. but some people i think also will respond with oh i would never want to, i could never do that and it's not because they don't actually want to do it it's just that they're also experiencing their own shame so the best or the, the the most palatable way for them to deal with that themselves is to go oh it's not i would never want that um it's too uncomfortable to talk about mm -hmm. um yeah. and i can i mean particularly with and i have experienced my own sort of issue not issues but like just kind of breaking through a lot of that social conditioning with with sex and opening our relationship because you know when you tell people that you're non-monogamous a lot of people the first thing they think is that you're just you know, like, well, how does that work? Or it's all just about sex, right? And mm -hmm. and that it's it's funny because there's an immediate light shone on sex in non-monogamy, but there's also this element that people don't want to talk about it. It's it's like it's a weird one, yeah. right? Yeah, it really. It's funny. Even like my closest friends, like when I, when Rob and I got together and I would talk about it and they'd be like, yeah, okay, that's fine. But like, you're still going to be like the number one, right? Like you're still like the best one or you, you're the winner kind of thing. And I'm like, no, that's weird. Why? <laughs> the winner. It's like first, second, third. Yeah. There's a podium. And, yeah. <laughs> and, the rest. and also, while I would say that I was thinking, yeah, as long as he loves me the most, then I'll, I'll be safe and then I'll be secure. Right. right. Which is not a real thing. Yeah. <laughs> it's just so not true. real. So but true. like, you know, whatever you have to tell yourself to, to feel comfortable. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But that is all just, as we just mentioned, talking about like the social conditioning of how relationships are supposed yeah. to be. Yeah. How mm -hmm. does that, how do you, that social conditioning, how does that play a role do you think in pre in preventing people i mean it doesn't necessarily have to be uh in like just just about um in, in a sort of re relation and relational way but like um just how does it prevent people from being their authentic sexual selves or even just the, their selves mm. like what do you think like there so a couple of things come to mind right like one is religion 
-hmm. right? So a lot of people ha have uh, deeply ingrained beliefs around um, sexuality and their personal value and what it means for their like eternal soul, right? That's pretty big. <laughs> if that's something you believe in, then that's huge. Um, totally. Yeah. Uh, and so like, and, and, and when you think about that, it comes down to like safety on like a primal level, right? If you believe that by doing this thing that feels really good, you're damning yourself to an eternity of suffering and like <laughs> then this doesn't no longer feel safe or if you believe that by doing this thing you'll be ostracized from your family right like like where belonging happens because we're all like we're creatures of community we need belonging that's how we've survived however long humans have been around is by supporting each other feeding each other you know keeping each other warm helping out the ones who are hurt, that kind of thing. So if you feel feel like you're going to be ostracized from your community, in your nervous system, that equals death. Like you're going to go wander the desert or go drown in the ocean or have a lion kill you or whatever, right? Then you're mm. prey. <laughs> and so your nervous system is like, this is terrifying and wrong and I can't do it because it means I'll die. <laughs> yeah. So, right. so it plays a pretty big part of like, how do you, how do you find safety and security in yourself and like you can like cognitively and logically know like I, i'm not actually going to wander the desert and die because i had sex with my friend right <laughs> and yet your nervous system is still going but you might <laughs> <laughs> it ignites the same part of the brain right yeah it's the same yeah. sort of neurons firing off and yeah, yeah yeah i think it's one of the reasons why like social change is i mean any kind of change but social change in particular is so so slow is mm -hmm. is because it, it in order for that change to happen in the first place it has to confront that part of the brain for, but not just in individuals but like you know yeah. every in, in the in the community's mm -hmm. sort of neurons i guess as well right? yeah um yeah super interesting and yeah yeah, yeah change totally, totally well this is it, it's um i mean it's just so it's it's so hard to to unpack all of this as well like it, it does run so deep and yeah. you know you mentioned something about you know it being a primal response and mm. um i mean sex is also something that is people have been doing since the dawn of time and um somewhere along the way we learn these things about how they are supposed to be or not supposed to be um and it's extremely challenging to rewire that and yeah. it takes it takes a while, and I think you know you're probably never really going to get to a point where you're fully complete, right? Like you're always going to constantly be in evolution with that. Yeah, um, yeah. it's just so interesting. Mm -hmm. Constant growth. Yeah, I mean, if someone's listening now and they were sort of wondering how they could start unpacking some of this stuff, um, or, and have the, and they have the objective to be their authentic selves sexually or mm -hmm. otherwise I mean how what what some I mean maybe you did this when you started out or like what's your like to almost a throwback your little segment on your podcast I mean what would be your like 
number one tip or a, cu- a selection oh. of tips about you know just the tip give you us, know give us just the tip <laughs> give us just the tip <laughs> you, it's um, your, your, your turn to give it back <laughs> did you enjoy how we th- we we, we uh, sprung like on that. you like all yeah. of you <laughs> <laughs> that was completely uh, organic as well yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I genuinely, I genuinely didn't even plan that <laughs> like, just that brilliant you know <laughs> yeah oh good okay so how can someone start figuring out what's authentic to them yeah i think so yeah anything that you have this inkling of like a desire right like i have a desire and they're like oh i can't have that right you get that little like tension in your stomach the butterflies in your stomach that's like oof better not say that out loud mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm. right it's probably something you actually want. And our tendency is to just bury it deep. Don't ever say that. Don't speak it because it will destroy everything. Um, and it won't. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> right. Um, but I would say anything that gives you that feeling, you have that desire and it gives you a little bit of a butterflies in your stomach is like, figure out why, not even figure out, like journal it out, write it out or voice text yourself. Um, why can't you have it? Mm. Right? Like, what would be wrong with that? What are you scared of? What's your fear around it? And then turn it around. What would you get from it? What, what is why do you desire it? What is it that it, what would be good about it? Turn around the fears. Like, you know, I'm scared that John, uncle John will hate me. Okay. Well, do you respect Uncle John? Do you care what Uncle John really thinks? Like, like start turning them around, dig into them a little bit more. Uh, you know, John, it might man. get you there, but it, it might not. Yeah. <laughs> it's a start. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. That brought, that, you saying that brought back a lot of uh, what I felt when I first sort of came to Siobhan with, with this mm. whole non-monogamy Being polyamorous thing. thing. Yeah. yeah. And uh, yeah, I mean, it wasn't, obviously it was terrifying and um yeah. and challenging and and one of the hardest things that certainly one of the hardest things i've done i think i can probably speak for both of us when i say it's one of the hardest things that we've done, both done yeah. but uh here we are you know and uh not that it always works out as well as it has for us so far but um but uh but you did have that sort of yeah but when and i definitely had that 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 little inkling in your stomach yeah yeah yeah. and and sometimes you don't know what it is um as well like sometimes it sometimes Mm. it's a bit too abstract or Mm. or you don't have the vocab to kind of you know get just sort of figure it all out but um yeah no i i i I, i'm gonna second your advice (laughs) you know the other piece about that that i always like to tell people is like you can talk about it and not do it. Mm-hmm. Right? Like, I think people are terrified to bring up their desires, their fantasies, you know, whether it's like for the relationship or sexually, whatever. They're scared to bring anything up because then it means they have to take action on it. Yeah. And they don't. Okay. Like, you should be able to just have conversations without changing everything. Yeah. There's That's something so about, true. like, if you know my desire, then we're ruined. Yeah. But then you just know, they, then they just know you. Yeah. Like, yeah. That's so true. You want to stay in a relationship where you aren't known? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and that all comes back to the, the big C word, communication. 
you know? Oh, man. I first, I was thinking cunt. Yeah, well, you know, you got me with lesbian. I'm getting you with cunt. (laughs) That is the quote card for this episode. Turnabout's fair play. Yeah. Right. We're we're friends again now. This whole time I've been been holding that that against you. (laughs) Oh, God. Um, I think on that note. Well, we've got a... We'd love to play a little, uh, little game. game to finish off this game. interview. Um, so um, we're going to call this PolyQuest. PolyQuest, because we have to have stupid names for everything that have the word poly in there somewhere. Yeah. Because otherwise it's poly. not, you know, it's not on theme. Um, even though this could apply to literally any podcast, um, they couldn't put the word poly in it. Um, because it wouldn't make sense. There is another um. po- another podcast <laughs> called The Poly Podcast. Um, and <laughs> yes. it's about construction. Like it's a construction podcast. It's like, like what? I, thought, I thought it was more specifically about like piping. And like piping and manufacturing <laughs> like and like poly. polymers. Yeah, po- yeah exactly. <laughs> I mean, power to them, you know. And so when we were first looking at our best name, of, best of luck. I, and I was like, okay, they're very different to us. There's not another polyamorous podcast that has this sort of name and styling. But now when you Google the poly podcast, theirs comes up and ours comes up as in the results. So it's like one's about like piping and construction and ones about non-monogamy it's so funny well if you type it so in... i'm totally picturing i'm picturing like the mario green pipes oh yeah <laughs> yeah like... that's exactly what it is yeah. like well they don't have uh, they don't have the brackets around the poly either so oh, if right. you type it in properly then just, we come we're it's at the just top, so funny because you know? it's just like how different that could be taken so i wonder whether their segments are our biggest poly everything too our biggest competitor i wonder if they have poly quests <laughs> anyway our poly quest is nothing about piping it's it's about um it's just it's just a series of questions it's a quick fire a little bit of a quick fire uh so nice and easy shoot what's your favorite thing about being non-monogamous I thought you were just going to say, what's your favorite thing? Yeah, what's your fa- like, oh my God, your I can't thing? Favorite. Sorry, sorry. About being uh, non-monogamous is a separate thing. Separate thing. <laughs> just your favorite thing. And then, yeah. and then your favorite thing about being non-monogamous. And then, and then, no, and then just about being non-monogamous. <laughs> what is my favorite thing about being non-monogamous? Um, oh God. Okay. Can I give two answers? Yeah. Go on. Mm, sexual variety wasn't, wasn't sexual variety yeah <laughs> and sexual variety no <laughs> <laughs> and um the other thing is that there's no stagnancy mm. right like this constant uh drive for growth and introspection yeah. and self-awareness and always moving forward Moving on to so we kind of already asked you sort of about sex advice, but do you have, uh, you know, what's a, a, a piece of advice for non-monogamous people? It doesn't even have to be related to dating. You know, what what's something that you either want, like, live by or something you've heard or just a general piece of advice for non-monogamous community? Okay. How about this one? Every, we've all heard how important communication is and how important transparency is. Right. Like that is like the thing. Talk about it. Talk about it. Talk about it. But I want to add, you also have a right to privacy. Mm, There is balance, right? Transparency, being open and honest, communicating doesn't mean I have to tell you every single thought that's on my mind every minute of the day. You get privacy to process. You get privacy to uh, have relationships and have conversations and 
engage in your own uh, emotional and and mental awareness without sharing all of it. Yes, that's so that's mm. so poignant, isn't it? So true. Yeah, it's true because the, the the emphasis is on communication, and it should be, but um, it's we don't often get told that you know you can in a way respect your own privacy like you don't you shouldn't feel compelled to to say absolutely everything all of the time sometimes mm. you do need that head that sort of bit of space. i mean i you know me I, I definitely need that bit of headspace sometimes to think things through before i can share any of it <laughs> so yeah. um or if i want to share any uh, share it at all you know so yeah totally love that love that yeah. so and the final final question. final question Drum roll. <laughs> we don't have a drum in here. You don't have that button. We don't have the button. No, yet. no. maybe I'll, maybe I'll, you no. will now. I want to add some laser noises. Maybe I'll add know? it in, you know, or just some gentle vibrations. <laughs> What's that? Uh, describe... I started using the chime button recently on mine. Oh yeah. Ooh, okay. Ooh I like we this to, magical chime. Look at. We need to look up some soundboards and just have like different. Yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> it just takes me back to like prank phone calls with Arnold Schwarzenegger yes! sample. <laughs> Or Jack Black or whatever. <laughs> we should just have that just ready to go at a moment's notice. Um, <laughs> uh, right, for reals. Um, let's get serious here, guys. This is a serious one. Um, <laughs> describe your non-monog experience in three words. You can only have three. Well, the first one that keeps coming to mind is adventure. Mm. <laughs> Gro- <laughs> growth. Uh and jealousy. Oh, oh yeah. I yeah, love that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I like how you brought that Adventure, in. Adventure, growth, yeah. and jealousy. Yeah. 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 <laughs> it's, so, it's so interesting, yeah. Lovely. Well, thank you for playing. Thanks for playing. You're Poly so Quest. welcome. Thank you. Poly, Poly <laughs> um, what a fun game. I mean, it's fun for us because we get to be like, ooh, <laughs> what are they going to come up with? Because it's just everyone thinks so differently about things and I just love to see yeah. what people come up with. And just, just wait until we get invited on people's podcasts and they ask us the questions. We're going to be like, oh, fuck, this is annoying. Yeah, like how dare they? <laughs> um, you know, it's funny. All the time when people, a lot of times when people have like a, like answer this in three words, people make whole sentences and I'm like, that doesn't. That's not the game. Work. My brain doesn't do that. Yeah. That's not enough information. Yeah. <laughs> the whole point is that it's meant to be a little bit vague and open to interpretation yeah. a little bit, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you. thank you. This has been honestly such a fun hour and a bit. I've had such a good time. Yeah. This is so good. I, uh, you guys have to come on my show. Oh, I, we would love that. That would be great. That, that may well be our first invite. Look out. What? Um, yeah. Could you please, speaking of your show, tell our listeners where they can find you, Yeesh. where you, all of your things, just, yeah, plug everything, plug away. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, well, my podcast is Nope, We're Not Monogamous, and it's in all the podcast places, you know, the places you listen to podcasts. There's three places, uh, plus apparently there's loads, but I don't know anyone. There's so listen. many. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There's so many. Uh, and then I'm also on Instagram and Facebook, Alicia Payne uh aliciapain.com and youtube also that's pain alicia pain pain spelled p a i n e is that correct yeah yeah perfect yeah. amazing just so that we know um and you know uh, you guys you can find us we um in our bonus episode we gave you 30 seconds to rate and review so please uh make sure you've done that um share We're it with a friend we're not giving you extra time now no no metamores 
you know, mothers, fathers, whoever um, you think will enjoy the show, please share it. That really helps. You can also follow us on social media. We are at poly underscore podcast on both Instagram and Twitter. Um, you can find us at our website, v-poly-podcast.captivate.fm and you can email us at podcastthepoly at gmail.com. See you next time. From us in London and from Alessia in near Seattle. Near Seattle. <laughs> somewhere. Bye. Bye. Somewhere near there. <laughs>